If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast with my partner, Brian Siegla. I am Curtis Wilson. Brian, tonight we have a very special guest. 1994 to 1998, this gentleman played offensive lineman. He was a second team All-Big East. Team captain, also part of two Big East championships out of Hampton High School in Hampton, Virginia. Pokey great. Dwight Vick. Dwight, how are you tonight? Oh, man, it's awesome, man. I'm glad to be on. This is uh, going to be a lot of fun, and I'm doing great. I'm up here in the 703. Nova snowed in. Well, more so I can, but um, I'm holding it down. You know, I'm I'm ready to talk everything tech and whatever comes about. That's awesome, Dwight. Yeah, appreciate you jumping on with us. You know, we're iced in as well. I, I was lucky enough to get uh, today and, and tomorrow off uh, from work. So it's kind of been some uh, bonus long weekend for me. So I'm loving it, even though I'm not really traveling that much. So it's all good. <laughs> I don't even want to talk to that man right now. I'm here in the 804 with Brian, and I've got to wake up and work in the morning from the house. So he can sleep in and everything. Hey, uh, Dwight, before we kick into, you know, Virginia Tech, you know, the question we have for you, the stories you have for us, you know, obviously victory life, it's it's you. It's such a big part of you. So, you know, go ahead, tell us what you guys are doing with that and about your podcast. Yeah, I appreciate, man, the opportunity to speak. I'll be brief, man. Um, but I created Victory Life now about three years ago, Victory Life LLC, uh, V-I-C-K-T-O-R-Y. And just for your listeners and followers of your, your great podcast, I'm not an egomaniac. I just went with Victory Life because I really like the name and I put my last name in it because it embodies everything I'm about. Plus, if you Google Victory Life, there are a lot of churches and nonprofits. So I was like, well, I'm not changing my name. So <laughs> there has the V-I-C-K in it. But um, essentially, man, you know, we have my organization. I have a Victory Life LLC, which is high school internship program, life skills groups, outpatient counseling, I am, believe it or not, a licensed therapist and, you know, I also do mentoring for kids uh, in Prince William, Fairfax County, Fauquier County, and even the surrounding areas in Northern Virginia, um, and also help kids with uh, disabilities as far as mental health diagnosis and 
anxiety and depression, um, you know, kids who have oppositional defined disorders and just help people, young men and young women and their families get back to functioning at a high level and just getting back to where they need to be. So something I'm very proud of, um, something that I, I embody growing up and especially tighten my skills up at Virginia Tech when I was there. You know, our mantra, our motto, uh, you know, that I may serve. So, um, and then I have my nonprofit, Victory Life Youth Sports, which I have three AAU organizations under. But it's not just more so about basketball. It's more so about helping students uh, reach their full potential academically and athletically through community service, competition, and also giving back and paying it forward in their local community. So, uh, the last several years, I've been really blessed to be part of something special and build my brand. And then, obviously, I have the podcast, which, you know, it's funny. I'm not, I don't ever view it as if I'm trying to get, you know, a bunch of listeners and followers. I just like to run my mouth. So, <laughs> I, have a, I have a podcast called the uh, Victory Life Legacy Podcast with um, Danny Noakes, my co-host. He's down in Richmond in 804. Shout out to my brother, Danny who I met through my longtime friend, Cal Bailey. Uh, he introduced us. A funny thing is when I did the 2013 spring broadcast, spring game broadcast, I was the color analyst um, up in the booth, up in Lane Stadium. ESPN3 did, and I was the uh, color analyst, and Danny Noakes was the producer. My first time meeting him, and then later on, we ended up doing the pregame show, and now we have the podcast, and I have my more popular podcast, uh, which is the Victory Life Legacy Spotlight, where I interview some great people, not just uh, athletes, but cancer survivors. I had the great Lisa Weatherspoon on, the Virginia Tech women's basketball great, who's in the Sports Hall of Fame, Ace Custis, Aaron Rouse, uh, DJ Parker, of course, my cousin Michael Vick's been on there. For your UVA followers, I had Terry Kirby on there. He was a great, great legend. <laughs> um you know, Ahmad Hawkins, Marcus Higgins, who's a wide receiver coach at UVA, and uh, a lot of high school coaches here in Virginia. You know, Troy Manns, the former Virginia Tech guard who was a standout great. Lauren Johnson's been on there. Um, I can't name anybody, but we got a YouTube channel. If you can check it out, subscribe to it, please. I don't get any money. I just like the legacies of the people that come on. They're very inspiring stories and interviews. So you can follow uh, us at Victory Life YouTube. Um, just go to YouTube and type in Victory Life and you'll see it. And, um, of course, the podcast I do with Danny, I post on Twitter. Um, we're only on SoundCloud. Like I said, I just like being able to talk sports, talk life. Um, one thing we do on the Legacy Spotlight uh, is we allow other people to showcase their journey, their story. And one, one thing I do with Danny on the one we do is um, we highlight people in the community who uh, inspire and, and make make the world a better place man i know it sounds corny like a whitney houston love song but really i'm i'm here to inspire make people smile and have great conversations um and that's what i live to do so victory life to those people who bought hoodies and t-shirts um i appreciate the support um i come from humble beginnings and i just want to give back i had a great career now i'm just trying to finish off and have a great life you are an inspiration and what you do with victory life, you know, things I've read and like you say, helping the kids, I, I, you know, you've got your masters in counseling. You do great things, man. And for us to have you on tonight, um, we are humbly, humbly honored to have you. Um, someone who does such make a difference in the community, someone 
you know, who does do all this stuff, but someone who we got to see play as kids. You know, when you started playing at Tech, it was about the time we started watching. So, and obviously the name Vic in a few years, you know, Michael comes along and Marcus, and then you start looking back as I know I did, and I'm a nerd of Virginia Tech football, Dwight. Start following you on Twitter and, you know, seeing you make comments and stuff. Now, before we get into Virginia Tech stuff, I've got one personal thing I want to hit on. Okay. Because I know your son plays hoops for Patriot High School. I know they made it to states. Well, no, no, they made it to championship. They would have went to states, but this year because of COVID, only the one seat, the winner went. Normally, the oh, the okay, okay. So, yeah, it should have been in states, but okay. But your son is a freshman. I yep. mean, how did that go as the freshman, obviously on a varsity team for his first year? You know, that's a great question, man. I have three kids. Lauren's my youngest. She's a track star. She's uh, ten years old. She can. She can run for days. She does the 400, 200. Otis is Sydney, and Sydney is up here in Northern Virginia. They go. It's interesting. She goes to a different high school than Isaiah because of zoning and when we moved, and she didn't want to transfer to Patriots. So she's at Unity Reed High School. She plays basketball club and at her school, and she's she's you know she wants to play collegiately, and she's got some interest from some schools. Uh, she she Virginia Tech's on her wish list or a school she wants to get an offer from. So, and then uh, but Isaiah, man. He's my only son. He's my middle child, and uh, he's a freshman, and he made varsity as a freshman just like Sydney did and just like I did when I was in high school for football. But Isaiah played football growing up, man, as far as when he was, you know, eight, seven, nine, ten years old, 11. But he also played basketball and ran track. But basketball, his body is – he's got my height, but he's got my old metabolism. <laughs> <laughs> So he is, if you see him on TV or you watch him play, look, he's built like Kevin Durant or more so Brandon E. He's like right now, he's about 6'2 and a half, 6'3. He's 14. He'll be 15 in May of this year. And um, he plays for a great, great coach who I love to death, Coach Sherman Rivers, who is the head coach at Patriots, built a great program there. He's been there about five years, won the district four years in a row, been to states himself. And he's been close. And he played ball at Potomac High School in Northern Virginia. He also went to Women Mary and played collegially there, and he played overseas. So my son is very blessed. And I think when it's all said and done, between Sherman, his coach, and my son, and his hard work ethic and his skill set, he's going to have a chance to play collegially. Um, if, you know, of course, he's got to stay on top of his grades, stay healthy. But he's long athletic. Um, you know, it's interesting, man, you know, having a Vic um, – in basketball <laughs> would be kind of a change of pace because we've all kind of picked up the pigskin. Although there is another Vic at Tech right now. She is a cousin of mine. She's on the women's track team, Kalithia Vic. Um, you know, okay. people forget about But, you know, Isaiah could be the next one up, man. And I had a follower. I wish I could remember his name. It was really cool. Uh, I don't know who it was, but he said, can you imagine a Vic jersey on campus or another Vic at Virginia Tech? And, I don't normally get all nostalgic. I'm a patient person when it comes to appreciating the journey and you never know how things work out. But I am spiritual and I do believe things happen for a reason, even how I ended up at Tech and how I recruited Mike and Marcus. But, you know, if my daughter and Isaiah, my two oldest, went there, that would that would make me emotional. That would be crazy. Um, and, you know, I am a huge, Lord knows, I love Mike Young. Gosh, I mean... How do you not like him? I 
it's infectious. It's infectious. Like just just watching the talk is amazing. (laughs) Man, I just and I want to call him up and say, "Hey, I got a son. You know, can you?" (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I mean, nepotism is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, he's got to earn that. Especially tech is not just you know some doormat program. I mean, you know, he's he's built on what Buzz has done. So yeah, my son is. You know, having a son is and having kids is a blessing, and having my son who um, wants to be great. And I, I purposely have exposed him to a lot of greats. He's been very fortunate. You know, I, for years until recently, I had been to the spring game like eighteen years, sixteen years straight, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Going back to when he played, and he's got pictures, and he's been around. You know, Mike. And um, my cousin and Marcus and Deshaun Jackson, and he's, you know, throwing the ball with Tyrod Taylor. And um, he, he's been around a lot of great players from Virginia Tech and even other colleges and other professionals. So him and my children, my, my other two children, all they know is greatness and scholarship athletes and pros. So he doesn't really get starstruck. He's been around Beamer. He's been around Foster and Kavanaugh and, He's been around other great coaches. So for him, the expectation has always been like, okay, you know, my dad went here. Uh, now I'm going to go here. But you mentioned when I played, I think it's funny too because <laughs> he doesn't, he's just now understanding the legacy that Mike and I and Marcus had. And also he's starting to give me a little credit for being good. Like he used to be like, <laughs> Man, you, you know, because we didn't have Twitter and Instagram. So <laughs> my stuff is now being converted. You know, I have to, pull out the VCR tapes and get them, you know, converted digitally. So, like, go. he's looking like, yeah, yep. you know, you really weren't that good. But then when we go back to campus or when he sees my followers and, and they, you know, how they react and, you know, how I interact and how I do so much stuff and the reaction when we go back to Blacksburg or even here in Northern Virginia when I'm back home in Hampton, people will come up to me and take pictures or I'll sign stuff. And he's like, bro, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> And they, you know, because I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. But don't, yeah. One time, like, it's was, not just stories I'm telling. This is this is real yeah. life. <laughs> but I, I I appreciate you asking that, man. You know, it's it's great being a dad, and it's great being part of something that's bigger than you that 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 will go on forever, man. Absolutely, you got two fathers here, man. I've got I've got two sons. I got a baby girl on the way in about a month. Awesome. And, uh, my man Brian's got a son as well, so we are fathers as well, and. It, it is. It is. It is. It, being a father is nothing like it. It's a special Congra- thing. Congratulations. Yes, that's awesome. And I and I wanted funny, real quick, and we got to talk. But I, I wanted what's so funny is uh, I wanted a girl first. So I have three kids, two girls and one son. But I remember when my wife was pregnant, everyone was like, "Oh, I know you want a son." I was like, "Nope." They were like, "What?" She wanted a boy first because she didn't want to do hair. And I wanted a son because, I mean, a daughter, because I, you know, women are intelligent. And I knew my daughter would spoil me when I get older and I needed somebody to make sure I was taking care of myself. I've seen a daughter's love for her father. You know, my son and I are tight too, but, you know, sometimes he'll make breakfast and he say, well, you know, you can make something, put it in the microwave. Like, he'll forget, you know, I'm... I'm <laughs> but, but she she'll take care of you. She she got you. Covered. Oh yeah, she'll say you want an omelet. You want some food? Yeah, daughters, man. Yeah. Anyway, but that is so cool, man. Yeah. Shout out to all the fathers listening, man. There we go. 
Yes, sir. Shout out to all the fathers out there. Um, so let me ask this. This is this is more personal. Getting back to your playing days, you know, it's let's say it's nineteen ninety four. COVID hits. You've signed your letter of intent to play for Tech, but there's going to be a spring season. There are guys right now have to make this decision. Would you have played? Oh man, y'all coming out the gate with some haymaker questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Gonna talk about listen. But, but we uh, think about it. You, uh, I, I, you know what? Whew. I you know what? Not knowing any better. I don't know. Wow, that is a tough question. My gut reaction just off the off the rip is I'm gonna play. Because when you're I was 17, you know, it's funny looking back, I probably should have started the following year i was 13th in ninth grade but i was 17 my first year at tech and i turned 18 late so i had that september birthday where mm-hmm. my wife is my wife my mom is an educator she's been teaching collegially and high school wise for 40 plus years so i mean she was like you know all into all of that getting him in school or whatever so but for me i would COVID's scary i've lost a few people to it but and I, I respect what Kayla Farley did, even though, God, I love watching him play. But knowing me as a freshman, that was a, I was a red shirt, 94, I probably would have went anyway. Um, you got to understand something. I know you guys have been following Tech since I played and you, you follow the state. When you're from where I'm from in Hampton and Newport News, Virginia, in the Tywood area, if you've been to places on the south side of Richmond, if you've been to Eastern Newport News or South Norfolk, Young's Park, or you've been to other places um, in the Commonwealth, even, you know, rural places like, you know, parts of Southwest Virginia. I mean, we always talk about the urban, but when you come up, and I had a great life, great mom and dad, but as far as what a scholarship opportunity means, you don't take that for granted. So knowing the mindset I had, you know, I had tunnel vision. Yeah, I was in, you know, Hampton High, knew, you know, ninth grade, I made varsity. I was a backup, then 10th grade, I started. And I started to get letters from Pittsburgh and Nebraska and Syracuse and Oklahoma. I was like, wow, this is what I, I knew it. I was like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go pro. So even though COVID came, um, if hypothetically speaking, I probably would have went anyway because I would have been like, you know, I can't stay home because if I stay home, you know, nothing's going to be popping off here but drama. Not that I was involved in anything negative, but, you know, we don't have a a path or a goal, you end up getting complacent. Next thing you know, you get get caught up. Mm-hmm. So I probably would have just went and crossed my fingers and prayed and 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 hoped everything worked out. Because um, I loved, I, I just wanted to be in college. God knows, with all this responsibility I have now, sometimes I wish I can go back. But <laughs> um, but I probably would have went. I, you know, I, I like that answer. I really, um, yeah, I think sometimes looking looking past as you said getting complacent idle hands can uh can get you in trouble from time to time so yeah i definitely see where you're coming from from that perspective no doubt um i wanted to ask you this next um you had tweeted out um a while back talking about who was recruiting the 757 back when you were being recruited um you know you talked about guys like cav height beamer stein spring um what was their pitch to get recruits to come to vt back then oh Great question. Um, <laughs> it was really about building something and, and going against the grain, you know, because UVA at the time was still the premier program, but Tech was on their heels. Um, 
and it wasn't manufactured hype. And, you know, Beamer and Hype and even guys like Steiny and Cav, they weren't salesmen. Like, you felt like it was authentic. And what was really good is they had relationships. So I've talked about this numerous times. and I, I, I'm in business. And, you know, I work with a lot of principals and psychologists and psychiatrists and coaches across the state. And I'm well-respected. And it's all sincere. It's, it's give and take, but it's a lot of respect. And that's what you felt like when you saw those coaches walk in your school. You saw how the other high school coaches – the custodians, the front desk staff was like, hey, and get up and hug them. You're like, oh, wow. It's not just like I'm some big wig from Michigan. You feel like, whoa, these guys really know my my administrators and high school assistant coaches and basketball coaches. So it was really cool. And their pitch was more so we are trying to build something. And you know what's funny? And this is not to pick on UVA when London was there. I've interviewed mm -hmm. Mike London. He's a great guy. But I, I teased my UVA friends. I said, you guys fixate too much on tech. You know, we got to build something. We got to take the cup back. I get it. I get it. That streak is crazy. And um, looks like another one may be getting ready started again. But at the same time, it was never about UVA when I was being recruited. You know, it might have come up, but it was more so about we're trying to build our own brand. We want you to be part of something. And it was a lot of state pride. And it was really just about their relationships with your high school coaches and also the fact that, you know, to be honest, I just mentioned a few minutes ago about where I'm from. I, I didn't grow up, you know, it wasn't South Central and bang, bang and people, but it was some rough spots and there was some stuff I saw and there was some trauma, you know, when you're in certain parts of my area and I knew a lot of guys that didn't make it and I knew people who were killed. I knew drug dealers, but you know what was crazy? And I tell people, and I hope your listeners understand this, this is a respectful statement. Beamer and Height and Cav and Steinspring, when they recruited the Commonwealth and some of those rough spots that people at other universities wouldn't go in, they went to. And they went to without fear, without judgment. Obviously, they were to get talent and they were there to recruit us to their university to get an education and to play college football. But you could tell they were there and they weren't like, oh my God, let's hurry up. Like, they stayed. If you watch the interview I did with Ronya Whitaker, mm -hmm. he grew up in Young's Park. It's a very, very rough spot in Norfolk. And Steinspring was in there and went there religiously to recruit him and sat down and hung out. And, you know, the thing about Beamer, <laughs> I remember when I got home and uh, my younger sister, he's, she's three years younger than me, and I, I got home from basketball practice. And it was uh, my senior year. And I came and had my bag. I dropped it off. She was like, hold on, hold on. She's like, Dwight, there's a dude here, some old dude with another dude. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, they're in the living room with mom and dad. I don't know. Um, but, I, you know, again, I'm being honest. She's like, I think they're rich because they had on suits and uh, some big thing. <laughs> and she said, it looked like, you know, those mafia, you know. And I was like, Kim, what are you talking about? Because she's funny anyway. <laughs> so then I go in there and then Beamer sits up. And he's like, hey, how you doing? And he just shakes my hand. And I'm like, you can feel the energy. Him and Height and Height had been recruiting me. That was the only year Height recruited the Hampton Roads area because they were going through a transition, and uh, he ended up going back to the Maryland area because you know he's a Dematha guy. Mm -hmm. So I was yep. very fortunate. Height was a great recruiter, and he is still even now just so authentic. And I I don't know if I'm answering your question fully, but I think sometimes people on Twitter and on these message boards think it's this 
you know, because of social media, you know, it's a lot of male and balloons and girls with long legs and pretty skirt. It's that, yeah, that's going to be part of the pitch when you get on campus. Yeah. But the foundation with great recruiters are laid during those phone calls and text messages. And when they come, as I mentioned, when you saw how they were in the building and how they talked to your mom and Beamer, man, was just so cool. And one last point about that. I mentioned my mom was an educator. My Both my parents have their masters. My dad is a doctor. He has his doctor, Dr. Norman Vick. Um, both of them being college educated. <laughs> when Beamer and Height sat down in my living room, once I came in there, they surprised me at home. They did a surprise home visit. Um, my mom pulled out a list. She had 20 questions. And she asked uh, Coach Beamer and Coach Height. And many of the questions was about race relations on campus security, supervision, academic support, um, crisis management, accountability, funding. And I was sitting like, Mom, why are you asking? <laughs> what are you doing? Mom was ready. But, Mom was ready. Yeah, he was. But Beamer, without any admin, you know, without anybody prompting him, he answered every question like a G. And he knew what he was talking about. And the only one he didn't know, he was like, I'll make sure I get back to you on that, which he did. He got actually called her the next day. I'm telling you, man, I know it's old school, but the principles I'm discussing right now with relationships, they're still relevant now. I think yeah. that's where some programs fall short is that you got to have the right people in the right regions, but you got to make sure they're authentic. Doesn't mean you're going to get every standout recruit. But it's going to give you that blueprint, that foundation where you see right now with uh, what's the kid's name? Jordan Williams. He returned to tech. Right. He's a grad transfer because he knew he really liked tech. You know, those are the things that we don't think about. But I just feel like that's what Stein Spring was. Stein Spring, man. Tech fans will always never give him his full credit. (laughs) He's always the subject of the memes and the jokes because he's an offensive coordinator. <laughs> offensive coordinator. And that, you know, tech, tech's love hate relationships with offensive coordinator is forever going to be a, a give love hate relationship. But Don Spring, if you do a, if y'all do a podcast one day on his recruits and who he landed from Tap to Cam Chancellor and so on, so on, it's ridiculous. And Don Spring is loved. I interviewed him; he was on my show. And Dre Bly commented, he was like, I love this man. And Tech was my second school, my second choice, but he wanted to go to Carolina. And he loves Steins. You know how many guys come up to me? I mean, out of, after my Mike, inter- Mike Vick interview, Stein Springs interview on between Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's gotten thousands of in looks in interview. I mean, it, it got shared 20, 37 times on Facebook. I mean, he is, That's and that's what he is. He's genuine. That's why I used to laugh when people wanted him gone because I don't think they understood, and I don't blame some fans because, you know, we have knowledgeable fans. But Stein Spring is another guy, man. He's going to be loved. He's genuine, and he gets it. Uh, I just think that relationship piece is essential in any line of business, especially collegiate sports. I, so, so let me ask this then. You actually are kind of pivoting perfectly to my, the, the next thing I wanted to bring up. What's the difference right now between Virginia kids, 1990s, when you were coming up and we were growing up, and kids now? You know, what's sort of the – let me make sure I put this right. What's the perspective on text for Virginia kids compared uh, to 25 years ago? 
they know more. They're more knowledgeable, and social media has helped with them knowing more about other schools. I got my letter from Notre Dame one time, and I was a big Irish fan, and I had a, a Notre Dame jacket because, you know, I was I loved Tony Rice and the Rocket and Bettis and Betts and all those different guys they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd, I, you know, you just like, man, Notre Dame, you know, and I'm living in Hampton, Virginia. And, I mean, I wore that jacket. You know, I'm walking around Hampton and Newport News looking like a super-sized wasp with a yellow on. And <laughs> and I remember <laughs> my dad said, you like them, don't you? And he was like, you know where they're located? I was like, nah, man, but I'm going, you know. And he was like, and I'm in 10th or 11th grade. And he pulls out, for those listening, they're going to laugh at the old school, <laughs> the OGs listening, an encyclopedia. And he blows the dust off and he opens it up and he's like, this is a map. You live here in Virginia. Notre Dame is in Indiana. And, you know, you start back then. They do it now. You get those media guys. And um, <laughs> the media guy, you know, you saw how they had a lot of Dwight Vicks. Um, you know, a lot of Dwight Vicks, um, you know, on their roster. And long story short, man, um, these guys now are just more knowledgeable. They're more aware. And I don't think especially with the dip in wins with Virginia Tech, you know, eight wins, six and seven, five and six. Um, it's it's twofold. In the nineties, we were we were not we were the best kept secret. The Tidewater area was producing tons of talent. Um and now you see the benefits between all the great players and the great colleges now that come down there. You know, Virginia guys have been leaving out of state forever. You know, Ron Springs uh, went to Ohio State, or maybe, no, I forgot where Ron Springs is, but he's Sean Springs' dad, but he went out of state. Uh, he went to Lafayette High School. Lawrence Taylor, who went to Lafayette High School from the Tywood area, mm-hmm. went to um, um, UNC, obviously. Yeah. And then had Dre Bly, who went to UNC and you had Rama Curry, who was the only player to win national Gatorade player of the year in all in football and basketball. And he was a McDonald's all American in basketball. And he won three state championships at Hampton high, one national championship in football and one state championship in basketball. So this notion that, Oh my God, Virginia players always leave that. No, they've been leaving. The difference is, the Virginia that we know compared to what we grew up in is no longer the best kept secret. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, the big wigs, they stay down there now. Penn State, they live down there. Every now and then they would pluck a player from my area now. And it's not just Tywater. It's Loudoun County. You see a lot of those guys go to Stanford, the West Coast, Northern Virginia kids are going out of state. And the other thing is there's some other layers to it. The state of Virginia has improved dramatically. You look what LJ's doing, Lauren Johnson at Highland Springs, Verona. Oh, yeah. the, the Richmond area was always known for basketball, but that's not the case anymore. The sub- suburbs of Richmond, the Chester, Chesterfields, the surrounding areas have improved dramatically. Northern Virginia, Westfield won the stakes three years in a row. It used to be the Tywater and Richmond show in football and basketball. That has changed as well. All that combines with Unfortunately, Virginia Tech and UVA picked their worst times to fall off. <laughs> yep. Um, they did, especially UVA. Yeah. I mean, they've, UVA's been rebuilding for years. And for years, Tech benefited. You know, Tech benefited for years because, they, you know, you look at that 
2005 team, I believe their entire defense starters that were ranked number one in the nation, or maybe that was 07 or 08, but pretty much most of their starters were from the Commonwealth in 2005 and 06, 07, 08. Virginia Tech was signing and getting commitments from some of the best players in the state. Um, and then when you have the Allen Iversons, the Plexico Burrises, the Ronald Currys, the Tyrod Taylors, and all these guys, Mike Vick, they started to emerge and become household names. All of a sudden, it's a perfect storm. And what makes things bad if you're a Virginia Tech fan is, you know, as the transition took place from Beamer to Fuente, people pick on Fuente that, you know, the cynics and critics, but at the end of the day, the last three or four years of Beamer's tenure weren't the best. You had a lot of six and six seasons. You had that one eight and five season where they got blasted in the Sun Bowl against UCLA. Yep. And it's just not a good look. It's the worst time. Consider this. Uh, during that time frame before Fuente took over, you had a lot of guys that would have kept Tech afloat in that national brand piece if they had chose Tech. But Tech kept finishing second. You had the Devin Forbes and the Ricky Slade Juniors, but you also had Deshaun Hand, Derek Nadi, uh, yep. Jalen Holmes, and all those guys um, pick another school, and Tech was always second. Uh, even your boy uh, that went to Florida State, um, the tall defensive end, I think his name escapes me, um, that went to Florida State. Yeah. And they said worst mistake of his life was going down there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure because they told him he was going to wear number two. And I'm like, yo, ain't nobody wearing Dion's number. (laughs) 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 What they say. Come on. (laughs) And Pet Detective Ray ain't coming home. You're not wearing number two. (laughs) No, sir. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, like, at the end of the day, you know, but. I, I give Florida State and Ohio State and, and Alabama and all the schools credit. You know, Deshaun Hand, I was with him. People don't realize this. His first unofficial visit or visit to any university, he followed my wife and I down with his high school coach to Virginia Tech. I introduced I introduced him to Cam Chancellor and Tyrod Taylor. I interviewed him on Cal Bailey's radio show at the spring game. The same day, Chuck Clark committed. Um... Tim Settle was at my football camp. You know, I used to do football camps. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a lot of high school stuff. Jalen Holmes, there's a picture on the internet with me, him, and Mike. He was at my symposium I did. All those guys I mentioned were at my football camps. The only one we got was Tim Settle. And look what Tim Settle's doing for the Virginia Tech brand. And also look what he's doing for the Washington football team. Now, just imagine if Tech gets the rest of those guys, or even gets three more of those guys with Bud Foster still in his prime, the perception of Virginia Mm -hmm. Tech. The perception changes. You're going to win more games, obviously, but the perception changes because to finally answer your question, when I walk around now with my bowl rings and my Virginia Tech gear on, I'm, you know, I still get, hey, you played at Tech, but it's not like it was nine, ten years ago. Okay. Because nobody really cares about a six and sixteen. Um People now are looking at, you know, the January 6th Bowls, the New Year Day, whatever. They, I don't know what day they can. It's like they keep coming on later and later. But the point I'm getting at is if you're not relevant, relevant and if you're not in the mix, outside of your fan base, um, it's pretty hard to make an argument. Why, you, know, you know how many times, you know, we are that team now 
when people walk by, even though I know COVID, the, the sports bar scene is different, but we are that game when people say, why are they showing that game? <laughs> That's what we've become. Yeah. And, 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 so and what you're saying, huh? What you're saying is if you got to have the Al Davis mentality, it's just win, baby. You start winning, perception changes. Boom. Absolutely. I, I Look, and this is not me being critical. This is just me being honest. I deal with a lot of people, um, and, and I don't want that to be the case. So for everyone listening, I want it to be what it used to be, but better. Yeah. I want, I want, I'm, you think I don't get excited when I see Khalil Herbert or these linemen oh. that are, you know, first round draft. Pro- I want, I don't have a, I love seeing Wyatt. Wyatt Teller was at my camp. I know Wyatt, you know, he wore 57. Uh, you know, why tell us my guy? Like, I want I, you think I I take it personal that he's better than me? I want the program to win a championship. I'm not the old head that's like, oh, we were so much tougher. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I want. I mean, but at the same time, when you're part of a program in which you built, you know, and you made the standard what it is when you were there when the lunch pail was established, mm-hmm. when you were there, you know what it took. And you know now the expectations um, have dropped because of, you know, a variety of reasons. You just wanted to get back and become better. You wanted to get back to where it was and then become better. And um, that's the part, like I told you guys offline, that hurts because, you know, that's my program. That's my university. I invest in them emotionally, financially. I care about them. Um, I don't want to see anybody fall off, but... I think when you're a Virginia kid, man, Virginia Tech still Virginia Tech still holds weight. Um, it's still a you know, hey, a great university, and it's a school people check for. Like, oh yeah, Tech's in here. They you know they didn't, but it's not sometimes what we think it is. And I think that only changes if you start. Like for example, this morning, I I, I probably have about sixty games DVR <laughs> on my basement TV in my bedroom TV. I mean, I gotta. <laughs> I, and out this morning, you know, I you know I don't do it just to analyze and break down tape. I just sometimes watch because you miss stuff. And today I had on the Virginia Tech Wake Forest game. Virginia Tech was three and one. Wake Forest was two and two. Last year, Virginia Tech beat a ranked Wake Forest team that was really good. They weren't great, yep. but Virginia Tech exposed them, and it just looks good when you beat a ranked team. This year, Tech was three and one, three and one, and lost at an empty. Wake Wake Forest you Stadium. You can't you can't lose those games. You can't lose. That's the type of stuff I mean when you know perception. It's like the ACC's weak. All it is is Clemson. You know, and then Virginia Tech used to be that team. And what makes me upset sometimes is um, while Clemson was getting their stuff together with Dabo, you know, going for ba- from Bowden Tommy Bowden to Dabo when he was the interim yep. and trying to figure it out, and Bobby Bowden was in the same situation as Frank Beamer and Jimbo was a coach and waiting. Virginia Tech for several years carried the torch and the banner for the ACC. Yep. They were the, they carried it. They went in the conference. They were going to BCS bowls and they were the standard. And then a game in which I was at 2011 tech going for back-to-back ACC championship games. Clemson limped into that game, having lost four out of five or three out of four. Um, and they smoked tech. I was there. If I, if I heard the fans fill out Clemson one more time, I was going to jump off the ledge. Um, that's how much. They 
think you know, we know when Clemson goes C L E and they spell it out. Yeah. It was yeah. frustrating. And then what made it even worse is Tech goes and plays in the bowl game and Clemson goes and plays in the bowl game and they lost that year. I think uh West Virginia or was it seventy seventy they lost seventy thirty five. Yep. They got their doors blown off. Seventy thirty and Virginia Virginia Tech that year was eleven and two, and the only two yep. losses was to Clemson. One at home, led by, led by my brother Taj Boyd, and the ACC championship mm. game. And coming off that, I just knew Tech was going to win because they had just beat one of UVA's best teams in program history, thirty-eight to nothing. Yep. And you know what Deshaun Hand told me? Who's in the NFL? Who was an All-American? Played at Alabama. You know, we talked all the time. He loved Bud Foster. Deshaun Hand told me out of his mouth, he, he laughed because the next week, London and his staff were at Woodbridge Senior High School to recruit him. And he was like, Coach, I really respect y'all showing him after that shellacking. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know you know what's funny about that statement? It's funny because it's our rival and it's a great, you know, little jab at them. Yeah. But the perception yeah. to your question Deshaun Hand, who was rated top five in the nation, Derek Nadi, Jalen Holmes, Josh Sweat, yeah. Settle, and um, I'm probably forgetting somebody. All those guys were – that was a legendary defensive line class, right? Um, I think Josh Sweat came yeah. to the – but the point I'm getting at is they all knew about Virginia Tech, all wanted and wanted to go there and were considered Virginia Tech leans. The perception is not that way anymore. That's how far mm-hmm. we fall. That's not Deshaun Hand had Tech as his number one choice, and and said Bill Bud Foster was his favorite coach and recruiter. That is, should show yep, you. And I remember. That's not that long ago. That's 2014. <laughs> I mean, excuse me, 2011. Sorry, yeah. 2011. It's not that long ago. It's not that long ago at all. Yeah. And like I remember the Hand thing, and everybody talked about Bud Foster, and and this is. I'm going to go on a little tangent here. And Dwight, if you need to tell me step down, tell me step down. Are you good? Basically, they told Deshaun Hand, you're going to play inside. And somebody said, Saban, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently they negatively recruited and said, you're an end. Deshaun Hand's in the league right now. Where is he at? He's playing on the inside. I know. And. I mean, do, do you, I don't know if you recall that, but I can. You, I remember seeing Hand's body, and it's like, yeah, he's he's a behind what technique would he have been? And you probably talked about it ten years ago. I mean, you probably been a three tech. Well, here's the deal: Bud Foster's an honest coach, and Bud, you know, at the end of the day, I worked Deshaun Hand out. He was at my me and a guy by the name of Keenan Carter, who's a defensive line coach at Women Mary with Mike London, played at UVA. Uh, after I played at Tech, was a great player for them. He coaches collegially. He also coached at Howard University. Him and I used to have uh, afternoon, evening workouts up in Northern Virginia at Patriot High School and also Potomac High School where he went. Deshaun Hand, Tim Settle, and a few other local guys. Greg Stroman was there. Um, a lot of guys that went to ODU and other schools that were from Northern Virginia would be there. Ricky Slade was there. I know his dad very well. My point being is, all those guys love tech. They used to have tech shirts on and stuff like that. Uh, their trainer, I know very well, um, he trained Deshaun. 
I'm not going to get into specifics about what Saban did. I'm not about to put that out there and have allegations flowing, but I know what I know. Saban did the same thing that Jimbo did the night before Josh Sweat committed. They, they played the game. They just, they, you know, again, they, coaches, these guys played the game, and they played upon Beamer's age and the fact that Virginia Tech was slipping and wasn't the same dominant program. And they they played that with a more sexy program, and they just told those guys what they wanted to hear. People don't realize that Sean Hand didn't start until his senior year at Alabama. He did win a couple of national championships, and he had he still contributed those previous seasons, but he didn't start to his senior year. I told yep. Sean straight up when he asked me what made Mike choose Tech. I told him why, and I said, "Dude, you know if you go to Virginia Tech, man, you they're gonna build a statue of you. I mean, you you know." He loved Foster's defense. Um, he loved Bud Foster. He, he liked Bud's, uh, you know, realness, um, his charisma. Um, he liked Bud. But, you know, Alabama came in and did what they had to do. Um, and, you know, he is inside. And, you know, it's just – it's. I, I, but, I, you know, fans come to me all the time on Twitter. You know, what does Tech need to do? We got to get this guy from Stanford. He's a great recruiter. Look at it. I'm like, listen – I'm not going to dismiss or debate anybody on this. The recruiting argument, everyone has different theories, whatever. The one thing I look at every year, ESPN 247 and rivals list their commitment list and whatever. With the exception of Miami, who gets great talent, and they will get talent until you and I, we're all dead and gone. <laughs> right? Because that's the you. Yep. yep. But everyone else is winning. <laughs> Every mm -hmm. else, listen. Everyone else is winning. When you're nine and one and ranked twelfth, or you're playing for a conference championship and you're on in primetime games, those tenth and ninth graders who yet to get offers, but they you know they're going to be top prospects, are watching. They're looking. Yep. Case in point, I've interviewed when I used to write actively for two four seven sports. I've interviewed guys like Tyrod Taylor, Marshawn Williams, Ricky's um Ricky Slade Jr., Ricky Walker. I interviewed all of them from my column back in the day. And they all talked about watching Brandon Flowers and Cam Chancellor and Chris Ellis. They paid attention because Tech was ranked in the top 10, top 12. Yep. You know? All the time. And, and that's, that's the correlation. Virginia kids haven't changed that much. Yes, social media, the state has grown. Northern Virginia is busting out the seams. Richmond area is growing. Short Pump and Chester, those great places. Charlottesville is growing. New Kent. All that you can talk about. The state's Virginia's a beautiful state. But the one thing that hasn't changed is people want to be relevant. Kids want to be relevant. You know? That's why everyone was shocked. Oh, yeah. That one year when UVA was able to land Quinn Blandon, Smoke Mizell, and Andrew Brown. You know? Because they were like, hold up, man. You guys aren't even going to bowl games. You know? Um, yeah. but I will, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I will say this. Mike London's my guy. And his brother Paul London's my guy, too. Mike London, to this day, has great relationships with people. Mm -hmm. He's got great relationships. He's a yeah. he's a great. He's charismatic. He can talk. He's funny. He's he. You know, you feel like you can trust him. Whatever it is, yep. he did that, and I told people that. And you know, what's funny. Those guys I mentioned, Smoke Mizell, he was high on tech. Andrew Brown was a tech lean. See, again, he was part of that class with Deshaun Hand and all those guys, and um, we missed on all of them except for Timmy. <laughs> yep. You know, yep. but at the same time, Quinn and all those guys uh knew about Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech was relevant.
that that kind of says it all right there with uh with the perception you know winning definitely helps um but we've also it seems like we've kind of stepped back a little bit on some of the relationships we have especially getting guys in the high schools at, at the consistent level especially the relationships that you were talking about that you know Beaner and Height and Steiny were were doing uh when you were getting recruited um but we lately we did get some news with like some preferred walk-ons from some some schools that we hadn't necessarily had a lot of success with lately, particularly Jabari Parker with Highland Springs there with yes. Johnson. Uh, is, yes. is, is stuff like that. Is that something that can really help kind of, you know, heal some of those, uh, th- those areas of, of, of strife that kind of popped up with, uh, with the high school relationships for us. Absolutely. Listen, um, even if I wasn't tight with Lauren Johnson, he's the best high school coach in the state of Virginia. Okay. Yep. They the best high school in the country. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like this guy Lauren, you get a couple of Highland Spring guys because here's the funny thing about the perception. Again, two guys I know: uh, Lauren Johnson, uh, his players, uh, Greg Dorch and Kavon Wallace wanted to be Hokies, and look what they did on the collegiate level. Just look. I remember knowing when I remember when Kavon got the call from Clemson. He was like, "No, I want. He wanted to go. I'm, I'm all about that. Trust me." Trust me, I know this for the be. And Lauren Johnson and I are tight. He dated my sister, only football player of my teammate. I let date my sister. <laughs> so that's how tight we are. Lauren and I. He's married now to another girl named Kim, and they had a beautiful family, including a son who took offered. Um, yes, but, he first off. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, you got to do that. Like tech, tech. You got to get those guys that want to be Hokies that may be the high three stars. And get them in the building, and eventually you create momentum. And those pipelines you saw in the late 90s and, and early 2000s, those pipelines from Western Branch, from Deep Creek, from Phoebus, from Hampton, from Bethel, you know, from um, Western Branch, you you know, remember the Holland Springs, the Hopkins brothers, Macho, because they saw their older seniors and juniors going there, and they said, wow, they're playing, they're happy, I'm going to go there too. And then the, what happens is you're winning, Tech's already going to kill it when it comes to food, lodging, presentation, because it's a beautiful campus. That sells itself. Yep. You throw in the crowd, Hokie Nation, the love they show. Now you got a formula for success. And I think that's that's the relationships right now. And I think, to, to be fair to Fuente and his staff, the dead period, uh, COVID, you know, Tap, who had a plan, who I know he did. I've talked to Tap. That's my guy. Um I think there were going to be some great things done, but the dead period has killed not just tech, but a lot of colleges that need to get guys on campus versus a program like Clemson and Ohio State that can sell itself. Yeah. Um, but I think you get those guys in, you, a walk-on, you get these guys, or even a commit or a guy like Jordan Williams. You get those guys and playing well, and they keep advocating. Because when they go back to that, when they go yeah. home for Thanksgiving and Christmas break, and they go back home, they're going to recruit and sell the program for you because when they're walking around the mall or they're at the basketball court in the weight room, and you're like, oh, that's Jordan Williams. And he's got the tech tank top and shorts on. He's lifting. He's like, yo, that dude's a crazy. That's what happens. Nice to go back home. And I, you know, me and Mike, we would go back home. We'd be at the old Coliseum Mall or Newmarket Mall. You're in the barbershop. And you walk in with your Virginia Tech bowl game sweatsuit on. You're, you're fitted, cocked to the side, your bowl ring gleaming in your bag. You're like, yo, y'all, y'all, y'all get like that? Yo, what's it? And all of a sudden, people are like, man, it, 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 it is euphoric. 
for the fans and the kids who are up next. That's how you create the connection, the dynasty, that that whole I want to be a part of it. It can't just be a coach. It's got to be your perception, your players who are currently there who are like, yo, like look at Oscar Smith, another pipeline, J.C. Coleman. Uh, he was on my on my my show and he talked about how he would come back. And he got a lot of guys there to come to tech from Oscar Smith. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, you talked about COVID, and I feel like for a school like Virginia Tech, for a team like Virginia Tech that's really trying to recapture some of that momentum on the recruiting trail, COVID mm-hmm. just was like the worst possible time. Uh because like yeah. you said, getting right. kids on campus is 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 part of the battle and being able to put TAP's plan in place for, you know, getting back into high schools the way it was done before. You know, all of that was something that could have helped with that perception and with that momentum going into 21. And now, you know, we've got a dead period that's now extended, what, through the end of May. So Yeah. I don't even understand that, man. You know, I don't that's, yeah. that that dead period thing is good. I mean, I don't know. That's it's weird. Um I do think though, um if we can hopefully have the spring game, I don't even know if that's gonna happen, or um some type of showcase or something where tech can get in front of some of the kids or vice versa. I think you're going to get some more kids. I, I, I just love the changes they've been doing in the off season. I don't really get hype about a lot of stuff in the off season because you never know. I mean, you never know with attrition, DUIs ineligibility, academics, you just never know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's the, that's what makes it beautiful. The unknown, the unexpected. That's also sometimes what makes it painful and, and detrimental because the unknown, we don't know what we can build on, which is why Vegas has so much money. But at the end of the day, I, yes, I, it I, is. Do, <laughs> I do like to hire <laughs> like the people who are in Blacksburg right now. Cause I think, you know, when that dead period ends, they know from what I know and talking to people, Pearson Prelo's on that staff. We played together four years at Tech. That's my brother. Uh, Justin Hamilton's my guy. I I, I know they want to win, and they get it. And they were there. They know what it takes. But they're handcuffed right now to some degree with COVID. It's a it's a it's it's a tough situation. And make no mistake about it. You know, I lost some close people to COVID, and I'm sure you guys know some stories as well, and, and may have lost a few. It is serious. I'm not going to get political. I don't know. It's a. It's real. You can feel like it's whatever hoax. I know it's real. And small businesses and a lot of people have been affected. And I'm just praying that eventually gets contained and we get back to some normalcy. Because for me, just, you know, football and sports, especially Virginia Tech, spring game, all that stuff is therapeutic for me and so many other people. And um, hopefully, you know, we can get over this hump and get back to you know, getting guys in that stadium and, and seeing that place rocking again. Yeah, Absolutely. 100%. Um, we got to attend our first spring game the first year of Justin Fuente's um, tenure, and it was great. Me and this guy, we drove up, we drove back down, hit all the spots. I'm going to say a couple things before I jump to my next question. You mentioned Jordan Williams. A lot of people get on Fuente like he doesn't have personality, yada, yada, whatever. Jordan Williams said something when he came back. He basically he said Tech was the runner up, but he's like the relationship I forged with Coach Fuente was it, it held a lot to me, and it, it was almost like a way he said. And when I saw the opportunity, you know, Clemson's bringing people in, and I'm seeing less opportunity. 
I still have the relationship with the head coach. So as you said before, it matters in the perception our head coach is getting. Maybe it's maybe it shouldn't be that way because of those words from Jordan Williams. But you mentioned Tap. Now he's gone to the NFL with my 49ers. Mm. Stop speeding. But man, let me tell you something. They brought in your teammate, somebody you have interviewed on Victory Life, JC Price. Yes, sir. How do you feel about him coming in? And you know, I'm assuming he's going to probably pick up the reins of a lot of what Daryl was going to do. J.C. Price is a man's man. He's your defensive lineman. I can tell you right now, J.C. Price is a guy you want to play for. And, you know, they upgraded because Tap was energetic, knowledgeable, insightful, and was. And you see the 49ers grabbed him, so he knows what he's doing. But to be fair, he actually probably is in that same position and probably more knowledgeable and experienced. Because he's been coaching longer. Um, he was on the staff and w- he led the way when GMU gave Tech one of the biggest upsets in college football history. The year Tech won the ACC in 2010, led by Rod and Ryan Williams. So at the end of the day, the guy knows Tech and he can coach. And, you know, recruiting, you don't, you listen, you people say, oh, you know, he was at a mid, you know, made Marshall. Look, you don't make Marshall and GMU relevant by not knowing the landscape of the state and getting players that wanted and some should have gone to Tech, okay? You got to do your homework when you talk about these guys on Twitter. J.C. Price was was definitely a great hire. Um, when it comes down to it, man, you know, Fuente, you know, we all been critical, man, because it's tough following a legend. And he, you know, the timeout this past year against Liberty, oh, my gosh, I felt for him. I was pissed, but I felt for him. <laughs> you know, I made mistakes. Yeah, coach, I've made mistakes as a player. I mean, how many times, you know, has a lineman felt bad when he got caught for holding that negated a winning touchdown? I mean, yep. or a, a field goal. Shane Graham talked about that on my show. He missed a field goal that would have won and beat us in Miami, beat Miami and Miami. We ended up winning in overtime, but he felt awful that whole week. Um, at the end of the day, man, you know, listen, it happens. I, I think the whole personality thing is tough because Fuente, when you he doesn't. He doesn't come across well on TV the same way Dabo does. You know, Dabo, you know, to sometimes can be corny, if you ask me. Um, he is, you know, you know, <laughs> but his players love him and they'll, you know, they go to bat for him and um, they fight for him. And he's able to convince guys that shouldn't come back to come back and pursue a national championship. And, and, and that, and Fuente has just got to be him. And to be fair, you know, the Beamer you guys saw late in his career when he was turning his hat and dabbing and dancing and dancing in the locker room in UVA, that Beamer didn't exist when I was at Tech. <laughs> I can remember Beamer, they used to, I remember in my 19 and 20s, and they'd show Frank after a bad call, and he looked like he would kill somebody on the sidelines. Man. The he was so mad. The Beamer that J.C. Coleman and Brandon Flowers and Chris Ellis got was not the Beamer. We were there when he was building, when he was on the hot seat, when he couldn't afford a loss. You got to understand something. That's what I'm saying. Look at Fuente now, and if he stays and keeps winning, he'll be a lot different then. You got to be careful when you compare because Beamer doesn't come across as, man, this guy is killing the room. You know, (laughs) that's not Beamer, but at the same time, you see him now with his little dog, Frank, Hank, whatever, and he's walking around, he's cracking jokes, and he's always been a funny guy that would roast you on the low, and he's always been, you know, highly respected and just someone you want to be around, and 
he was all he's always been funny, but you know, early in his career, which I was there for, um, it wasn't fun in games. You know, after big wins, he might be like, Let's go and throw the fist in the air and hug guys or whatever. I remember we beat Miami for the fourth year in a row in the old Orange Bowl when before it became Pro Player Stadium or whatever it's called now. I don't know. They name them Pizza Hut R Us. I don't know what it's called. But <laughs> you know, when we beat them back then, I remember being in the locker room and I was elated and I hugged them. And I was just like, Coach, we won. He was like, hey, great win. You know, I was like, okay. You know, like, he he was he was different. You get older, become a granddad, and Shane's now a man and doing his you, – you, you're looser. You know your job's secure. You can you can let your guard down a bit. You know, he wasn't doing the nene and all that, the Millie Wop and all that stuff, uh, you know, when we were there. So, in fairness to Fuente um, – He's not going to be doing all that right now. He's not going to come on TV and, and crack jokes because, in fairness to him, everything now on Twitter and social media is used against him. Even if he slips up, whether it's a timeout or he missays someone's name or, you know, he's guarded about who he's going to start, you know, it's just going to be everything's, you know, we're on edge because Hokie Nation, if there's a fan base that deserves a national championship and deserves answers and deserves wins. It's Hokie Nation. I mean, you look at the Red Sox before they got over the hump, the Cubs, the Cavaliers in basketball. But GN Tech has suffered decades of we almost had them, like the dollar and that insurance commercial. We have almost had it so many times. The yeah. Matt Ryan, you know, go back to my years, the Temple game on the goal line. We're ranked 14th. We win that game. We jump in the top eight. You know, um, the loss against Kansas, you know, in the Orange Bowl when Brandon Brandon Norris set out the first half because of team violation rules. Tech has been on the doorstep for years. And now with the offensive talent and the offensive scheme, whether we want to admit it or not, we made it up in our mind that we're going to be in this national championship, especially when we come out the gate in 2016 and take Clemson to the verge and if we get down there, Fuente said after the game, he was going to go for two. And you got Bucky and Isaiah Ford. You're like, man, Clemson is Clemson. And we won the Coastal in his first year. And yeah. <laughs> we did it to ourselves with the expectations. So now, um, you know, I don't think Jordan Williams is lying. Uh, you know, Ashby. I don't think Ashby's lying. Rashad Ashby. I don't think Pablo's lying. I don't think uh-huh. Sam Rogers is lying. That's their coach. I think he's just guarded. I think he's just going to, you know, be who he is and i don't really care if he you know didn't speak and just talked in sign language i just need wins okay (laughs) you know i I, you know i i I mean you know do i want a more personal yeah but there are a lot of guys who are great in press conferences and they haven't won anything in four years and got fired yeah you know the fine line between being charismatic but still losing in the fourth quarter I don't care so, how you're at the um, mic. I just don't want you going out there and losing the wake and getting blown out of pit. <laughs> boom. And look at this. Do you, think, do you think Saban's fun to be around? I We don't know. I mean, his pressers, he looks like he hates the fact the sun is shining. But at the end of the day, his players love him. And the fact is, is he's winning, so he can kind of be like that. It's funny because Belichick now – when he was winning so much, I know that's the pros, but everything was great. He could be that way. Now you start losing, you know, it's viewed differently because losing does that. I said this one time on another show, or maybe I, I think I, I didn't say it. I tweeted it. You know, losing ages you. 
Everything looks bad. You look worse. Yep. Winning rejuvenates you. Everything looks better. Food tastes better. The outlook is brighter. And, you know, Fuerte just, you know, him and his staff have got to win. And it's a what have you done for me lately world. As far as his personality, um, you know, my guys in the burger told me they love him. Bud Foster and I talked one time. He said, Vic, if you ever met him, you know, you would like him a lot. Um, you know, he, he, Bud told me he reminds him a lot of Frank. So um, I trust Bud Foster. I just think right now we combine our frustrations with the losing or inconsistencies. And then it's human nature for anyone when something's not going right. We all need to find someone or something to blame. And I think that's what happens, especially in sports. And there are too many variables just to blame one guy. But when you're the head coach, that's the way it works. And especially when in people's mind, you make enough money where you should be doing better. And it sucks, but it's the way it is. But hopefully things change. I know there's a contingency of fans that think it won't. And there's some that will think it will. I'm a wait and see guy. <clears throat> I, I choose to be optimistic most of the time. I'm a realist, though. I think right now we got to play better. We got to have a better football IQ and a better identity during the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, during the season there were points in time last year where you know there were certain parts like in the UNC game, and then there were certain ways we played defense against Clemson that me and Brian literally said if that team showed up on both sides of the ball every week, we would be running for the national championship. But it was the consistency. You'd see inconsistencies back and forth. Um, I'm going to ask one more about a coach. Well, coach, analyst, whatever. Any thoughts on John Tenuta? I don't know if you know him. You know, obviously, he's got his son playing down there. He's been everywhere, it seems, as a D.C. or as a football coach. Any relationship with him? And if so, what do you think of the hire? I don't know Tenuta personally, but I think it's a great hire. Um I say this, you know, people that, you know, again, want to find criticism. Oh, he's a UVA guy. Well, here's the thing. Bud Foster, when he was trying to be head coach, he interviewed for the UVA job. Okay? So calm down. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people don't people don't need to understand something. In the offseason, this whole rivalry stuff that we have on Twitter with the memes and the people getting personal, the fights in the parking lot at tailgates, these coaches hang out together, golf together. They talk during the season. They text each other. They talk about players. They consult one another. It's a business. And if you know anything about old school listeners, listen to this show, Google Phil Almation and what he did. He was the same person before Tenuta. He came to Tech um, and helped Beamer create his mantra on defense. He helped create the lunch pail defense for Bud Foster, right? So at the end of the day, Phil H. Almation was a journeyman too, but he came in and created that eight-man front that Coach Bud Foster took to the next level and made it the lunch pill D, which is legendary in the history of college football, right? So Tanuta is another guy. And not only did he do great work in Cincinnati, he did great work wherever he went because he's a great coach. Um, to be honest with you, man, I'm already hearing his impact is being felt in the locker room, not the locker room, but in, in the offices, the coaches' meetings. Justin Hamilton is the right guy for the job. I think he, he you've heard him speak. You saw when he was able to get his hands on the defense. They got better statistically and with the eye test as the season went along late in the season. Um, I think you got to give somebody like that a chance, you know, to learn from someone like Tanuda 
because I'm here because I learned from people that, you know, were my predecessors and mentored me. Um, I don't care what line of business you're in. You got to have somebody to consult and lead you and teach you. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I'll just add that at the end of the day, um, it's a great high for tech, man. You throw him in there, JC Price. Um, those guys are winners. They're winners. And they can coach. They can coach their asses off. And on top of it, they know the game. And <laughs> you got to have people like that in your building. Um, but I don't know him personally. But I saw that. And that's one of those hires, man. <laughs> you know, when you sign certain players or you hire certain coaches, we live in a world where you know, if it's not impactful as far as like at that moment, like, oh my gosh, man, you know, that is, that's a great hire. And then, you know, months later or year, you know, it uh, turns out it wasn't what we thought, right? Like when Dwayne Lawson was the quarterback of the future, we were so hyped and that never panned out. You know what I'm saying? You, you, there's a lot of guys like that, though, Juju, Clayton, or whatever. There's always these guys, oh my gosh. But then all of a sudden, quietly, a guy commits or a coach comes on board, and years later, you're like, wow, how big was that? Like, even when we signed the kid, the Juco guy, um, Gerard Evans, um, that really wasn't accelerated. That wasn't – people didn't go crazy with that commitment. And then look what he did in the record books for Tech and the Coastal Division title. So I think Tenuta's the same kind of um, hire. I think you look at what he does, I mean – I think there was more talk about him being a UVA guy and what he said about Tech when he was on UVA staff. Mm. Um, but here's the thing. How many fans <laughs> that listen to the podcast or get on Twitter say, I'm never watching Tech again. They will never get a dollar from me. This, this, this team is trash. Fire everybody. And then next week they're like, oh, great win, Hokies. I love you, Hokie Nation. Great win over Miami. <laughs> Come on. That's what we do. We do that. We're yeah. emotional. It's true. We're emotional. We are. We do. Tenuta was a UVA guy that season. He was talking trash. And it is what it is. Uh, you think with my son being a basketball prospect, if UVA offered him and Tech didn't, I would be singing Wahoo Wah all day during basketball season. <laughs> and I liked on <laughs> You know, it's, 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 it is what it is. Yep. Uh, but, I mean, I hope Tech calls. But anyway. <laughs> but um, like, you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, just to answer your question, guys, that was a great hire. I, I like that a lot. I did. I actually, that's probably the most excited I've been besides JC joining the staff. That's awesome. That's, yeah. I, you know, I was looking, I was like, yeah, this, this guy can, I feel like can do what I think Tracy Clays was originally brought in to do, but never really seemed mm -hmm. to have success with. Um, I feel like, you know, Tanuda's role is going to be kind of that guy to, you know, hold the mirror up and maybe even find blind spots that Justin Hamilton doesn't see and kind of fill in those areas and, and make him a better coach in the long run. So, yeah, I, I definitely think yeah, it's a home run. It, it, yeah, and, and, and to your point about the, those blind spots, I'll tell you one that, you know, I think Justin wish he could have back. I never asked him about it, but like that Liberty game, many people talk about that timeout that Coach Fuente burned for the personnel lineups and everything like that. But prior to that, you know, yeah. the defensive alignment where Justin backed off everybody uh, and then they got that quick first down and they made the kick much easier. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. was almost like Tech wasn't supposed to win that game anyway because I saw that kicker before and after he played Tech and he was absolutely garbage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't kick. But he, you know, that's, that's, you know, Liberty, Liberty made it a great win. I think, you know, you know, back to your point about Tanuta, you know, filling in the gaps and those blind spots. I think that's 
the fine line between winning and losing, not just for Virginia Tech, but a lot of programs, because, you know, the Liberty game, the Wake Forest game, um, just a lot of games just the last two seasons, uh, the game against Kentucky where they had a converted wide receiver playing quarterback, that was Foster's last year, but there were a lot of games in the uh, Fuente's tenure where he gets maligned and criticized for a variety of reasons, more so losing the game. But there were times within the game where I felt like the staff was just a little bit off with their coaching decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes it's a matter of adjustments. And sometimes it's a matter of being lucky. Uh, who was the gentleman they brought in a few years ago from Minnesota? He's a journeyman, too. The the offensive consultant that left. Kill. Who? Jerry Kill. Yeah. Jerry Kill. You saw what he did for our program. That year we made the run, went in, 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 in the season, went out of five out of six or whatever after the Duke debacle. Yeah. And they threw in Hendon Hooker as a starter, bench Ryan Willis. But offensively, along with Buzz shutout defenses and things like that, I really felt like that was a great, got to bring in because he's going to do what Tanuta did, is going to do. Excuse me. Yep. Yeah, definitely when Kill came in, it felt like almost like the offense had more direction, didn't put players in as many bad spots. So, yeah, I definitely think if Tanuta can do something similar with the defense, that's going to be good for us. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'll say that. I, I wanted to ask you this question. We saw a, uh, saw a tweet come through the other day from you regarding like transfer portal and stuff like that. Um, I'll, I'll read it to you, and I'll let you kind of respond to it a little bit here. Okay. Um, believe me, I know everyone has a reason, but, bro, some of you guys are just running. <laughs> yeah, listen. You know, and Tech fans forget I talk about other programs, too. And people are like, oh, Quincy Patterson. And I'm like, first of all, Quincy, definitely, you knew he was leaving. That was inevitable. Um, yeah. Hooker, yeah. I actually – he, I think he made the right decision by leaving because I felt like, and again, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in the quarterback meeting room. I felt like um, with him having the health issues in the beginning and, you know, them throwing him in the mix and late in that game against UNC where he just was on fire, I'm sure he was uncertain about his future. So that makes sense. But at the same time, there are some tech players and some other players across the country where um, they got to learn how to fight, man. You got to learn how to not. And I'm not talking about Floyd Mayweather, Tyson. I mean, you know, because <laughs> people took their words. Yeah. I'm talking about fighting adversity. People don't realize this. I almost transferred from Tech. I was a redshirt sophomore. And um, this is back when Tech, the golden era of their offensive linemen. You know, when, you know, I was there, DiNapoli, Derek, Derek uh, Smith, Ty Washington, Chris Malone. Bill Conanty, Jim Pine, some of the best ever. Uh, Jay Haygood, T.J. Washington, Mike Byanchet. Um, You're talking about some <laughs> great Matt Lair, David Cadella, you know, uh, Anthony Davis came behind me. That was the golden era. I think this year you had a snapshot of what it could be if they keep getting guys like what they had there today. I mean, this season. But I'm playing, but, you know, you're 18, 19 years old. I'm like, why am I not starting? I mean, I lettered as a redshirt freshman. Um, I'm playing a lot as a redshirt sophomore, and I'm playing in the, in the in the important parts of the game. But you want to play more, and I'm like, I'm just as good as Gennaro. And Gennaro and I are brothers. That's my guy. So it's not personal. So to be fair, I did talk to my dad about transferring to Hampton University. I was looking at JMU, 
I had some of my friends that left, um, and I called them, and they were like, absolutely, man, I'll let Coach know you're interested. But my dad was like, you shouldn't leave. What are you doing? You're playing. You guys are going to the Orange Bowl. You were 10-1, and one, you know. You're playing. You're contributing. You're in the mix, and you're, you're going to start next year as a junior. And it, it kind of was a smack in the face over the phone, like, yeah, wake up, snap out of it. And then um, word got back to Coach Height and um, Coach Grimes and Beamer and different coaches talked to me and they were like, you're not doing anything wrong. We're just very talented and you just got to keep fighting. And there were some things I needed to do better. Um, and the ego is very powerful because it, it addresses your conscious and subconscious even when you don't think it does. And the ego is a manipulator too because you start rationalizing bad decisions. Yeah, yeah, well, I should have I should have done this. I should have lead. They don't respect you. You know, it's like that angel devil on your shoulder. And the devil was like, you got to go. You're not appreciating you. You know, you you were from Hampton. You were, you were fourth in the nation by sporting news and you were ranked and you're only playing 27 snaps. You need to start. <laughs> Thank God I didn't listen, man. I stayed and I fought. Ended up meeting my wife the following year, my future wife, and um, was part of some great wins. Beat Alabama my senior year. You know, as you guys mentioned, I'm one of the you know one of the best players to play there, uh, and that that's you know William Boatwright and so many guys. Wyatt Teller, you know, I feel like I'm honored just to be mentioned. So at the same time. Some of these guys have been lied to by their trainers and their 707 coaches and their high school coaches. They're being lied to. I mean, think about all the greats that stayed and fought. I mean, look at a guy like Greg Boone, who I saw in high school at Oscar Smith, and he was an animal. Mm -hmm. And they put him at Tech at tight end, and he was a quarterback in high school. And they ran that wild turkey with him, which is the Tech's version of the Wildcat. And he had some great runs in the red zone, but they didn't really pass the ball to him that much. He wasn't utilized like Bucky Hodges. And rightfully so. Him and Bucky are two different types of body builds and different types of tight ends. But Greg Boone at a lesser college could have been a stud in his own right. But here's the thing. You talk to Tech fans, he was a stud. You know, it's just it's your perspective. He was, he was a great blocker. He was reliable. He had some key catches. He was a great in short yardage. He had, a, you know, some great runs in the red zone. And he was reliable. Like I said, you know, it's just sometimes you don't realize that you are in a good position. And I do think some of these guys are being misled. And I think some of these guys are, are making bad decisions. I think some of these guys are running. And I, I have no problem. I'll say it again. I, like Samuel L. Jackson, I'll tweet it again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think some guys have to learn how to compete, man. I mean... Brandon Flowers, shout out to the OG, one of the best that do it, the GOAT, in my opinion. Brandon Flowers, today's his birthday. He was sitting behind Jimmy Williams, who was a unanimous All-American. You know, now Brandon Flowers is at Tech. You know, I'm not saying he would, Brandon, but the kind of player that, that like him, wouldn't go and wait behind Jimmy Williams. You see what I'm saying? Is that making yeah, sense? Absolutely. You know, some of these guys are premature. And you know what? I'm not going to do this. But I'll say it. I won't get on Twitter and name people because I don't like I don't want to make it personal. But I'll say this. There's a strong track record of a lot of guys leaving and not doing well. <laughs> um, and you guys, you probably know some you're thinking about right now who were premature in them leaving 
and they left. And again, some guys leave, um, and you're like, hey, they need to go closer to home, or, um, you know, their position coach left, and, you know, whatever it is. Or, yeah. But I mean, like, for example, all right, I'm going to say a name, and I get it. I, I, I still, maybe you guys got the scoop on what happened. Um, what is, uh, my gosh, I'm bad with names today. Um, the kid, he was, he, uh, did he go to Missouri, the receiver? That was there last year. That was opposite side Trey Turner, um, the receiver. Hazleton. Hazleton. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? You know. Again, I don't know him. Don't know his story. But dude, you had what ten touchdowns last year? Um, what's the point? I don't get it. You go to Missouri. I know Tech's struggling, but come on now. I mean, again, maybe there's something going on. Maybe he's got a girlfriend there. Maybe they got the education department there. I don't know. But some of these guys, I don't get it. It's what I mean. It's not just about the transfer portal. It's just like some of these guys just are like, you know, it's a different mindset. It's kind of like if me, you, we were all hanging out, and I was like, you know what? Tonight I feel like Papa John's. I, I've had enough of, uh, you know, Domino's, you know, or I want a Gumby's pizza. You know, I just, you know, well, what's wrong with, nah, I just, you know, I just feel like, you know, I want to travel now. I want to go check out New York. You know, you just, that's what I feel like some of these guys are doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I want to, yeah, yeah, check it out as soon as the first sign of trouble. It's like, all right, well, I'm gonna try something different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's some of them that make sense. Don't get me wrong, because, and this is numerous schools. Because I look at the portal on two four seven all the time, and I hear about guys transferring. Some of them, you look and it's like they're like seventh on the death chart, but they're talented. Their goal is in their mind is I need to get on the field so people can see me play. And and you get that. And then but then there's guys like Hazleton who's gonna be on the field and it's like to your point, well, is Damon we don't know the story, but could the backstory be he's got his degree, they have a good master's program, and he's thinking, I'm gonna probably try to chase my NFL dream, but I wanna get my master's and that university's really good. So there's a bunch of different reasons. But then I think to your point, some guys are like, "Man, I'm 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 third on the I'm third string on the depth chart, man." And coaches always ride me, and man, I'm tired of it. To your point is, you make stay. a great point. You make a great point. But I'll just add, you know, I don't know if you saw it yet, but um, he was on my show, Tavante Beckett, right? Mm-hmm. Tavante Beckett yeah. behind Mupatapa, I can't say his name, the kid from Salem with all the hair. And also, <laughs> Salem. Yeah, and the, and the Edmonds brother, right? He was telling me this, yeah. and he got into the trouble, which everything later was dismissed, but he ended up being Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. And Bud Foster, actually, ironically, J.C. Price reached out to him after a recommendation from Bud Foster, and it was the marriage made in heaven. And he it, he was happy, but he told me about how he was going to stay at Tech, even though he was behind those guys. I mean, and Edmonds is a stud. You see what he's doing for the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Um, but he wasn't talking about transferring. I mean, I just think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they are legit reasons. And I say all this, who knows what my son may have. I mean, he may get somewhere and have to transfer. And I think the transfer portal has been good to Virginia Tech. People overlook that sometimes because we look at who we lose, but Look of who who we've gotten, <laughs> Khalil Herbert and yep. other guys. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I stand by what I tweeted. I think some of these guys are premature in their decisions. They're emotional. Um, I tell kids all the time when I mentor and counsel them, 
be careful getting directions on your journey from people who've never left their home. You know, yeah, you got to be careful getting advice from people who have two two credits at Strayer who are trying to tell you what university you should go play ball at. Yeah, got to be careful. You got to be careful because these guys don't know. They haven't been on the depth chart. And injuries happen, you know, and I just think sometimes it's okay. Like my son was on varsity this year. He played in maybe seven games, but he was, you know, behind juniors and seniors. And he was a true, he, true. He was a freshman on varsity. And I said, man, just stay ready. Keep working hard, you know, learn, pay attention when you get in the game, you know, be coachable. And, but you believe it or not in today's world we live in, there's some freshmen who are like, man, I'm not going to stay here next year. I'm, I need to be starting now. I'm going to transfer to this school or to go to this private school because this coach saw my mixtape and I got it. And, and, and that's what's happening. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just over it, man. Like when um, I stole that tweet, not what I tweeted, but the tweet I retweeted, I stole that from uh, Devon Morgan. Um, yeah. And I was like, this number is ridiculous. I mean, there are kids just sitting there, you know, and – I get it. Um, we lost a kid, Virginia Tech, in the transfer portal. Um, the receiver out of Lafayette, um, not Hazleton. Um, he was the um, punt retired. Hezekiah. Yeah. yeah. Now he's a he's a player that I I thought should have because I used to tweak. Can we get him some balls? But then again, Trey Turner and Hazleton and um, hey, not Devonte, but. Uh, Kevin Robinson was just just phenomenal trio receivers. How are you going to get on the field with them? Yep. You know, so it works both ways. Um, and and I, just, you know, but I, you know, some of these guys, you know, they get on here with these sub tweets or these cryptid tweets. You know, time to explore my options or you know, it's been good, Blacksburg. Yeah, bro, just stop it. You know, come on, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, just just make a decision. Yeah. And. And, and and fight through some adversity. Yeah, I, th- I think some. I mean, Absolutely. I know it was like this for me, even even playing D three, like going from being you know big man on campus in high school to like everybody being good is, is kind of a shock to the system. And you gotta you gotta work through a whole lot, and you're not going to necessarily climb you know to the too deep just because you know you were you were good back in high school. So you gotta you gotta fight through that and. When you get on the field, you got to make sure you make most of that opportunity and not not worry about well, my snap count was only you know ten in this game or whatever it is. Make the most of those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and I'm not that old head on your show right now <clears throat> who is like, oh man, these guys are so soft, and we didn't have that many uniform combos. Like I said earlier, man. I want all these guys to be successful. I want Tech to be relevant. I want them to be winning, and I want. You know, even with um, Hendon Hooker, man, um, I don't really care for Tennessee football, but I want him to shine at Tennessee. But they seem like they're going to their own. They they they, they like deal with a lot right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got a lot. Uh, Absolutely. And my last point on that, man, and I'm not going to be long on this point, but I don't know. I don't know if these young guys, and I say this because I did know this. I don't know if they realize, man, you're going to many, many of them will go and get a shot. And many of them, some of them, not many, will get a chance to stay or have a career like Nick Sorison, who's now coaching in the league. But he was a special teams captain and played at Seattle and 
got some reps and had a good career as a contributor. And that's fine. Like, but then you get a degree and you come back or you coach or you start a family. But I don't know if all these guys realize that it's not just about the football. Like, I get it because I knew like people don't realize I had a shot and I got a call and, you know, I went to the Ravens mini camp and the Patriots called Mike Goforth for my tape. And I mean, but they took Damian Woody and why wouldn't he? he was great and he did great in New England. He was great at BC. He played at Patrick Henry Ashland. But at the end of the day, man, like I got two degrees, met my wife and I was all conference and, and played in bowl games and had my name called, not for holding, but for great blocks. So, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, man, like, you're bigger than that. You know, you're bigger than something than just football. And I think sometimes with the combination of social media, the manufactured hype we have right now, the misinformation these kids get, I think sometimes they lose themselves with all this and they actually put more pressure on themselves than they realize. Yeah, I, 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 I can totally concur with you because I didn't play any collegiate sports. I was in a fraternity, but I made some of my best friends. I met my wife at school. Mm-hmm. Me and Brian have known each other since middle school. We're still yeah. hanging out 23 years later. It's a lot more than just that. So I, I like that point. But I am yeah. going to ask you a question because you've mentioned some games here and there. What was your favorite game? That you played in at Tech. Uh, what um, is that game that just sticks and says that's the one? Whew. Um, man, I, you know what? Oh my God, that is a tough question. That is a very tough okay. question. How about this? How about three? What's your top three? Um, just maybe that can help. The uh, <laughs> the uh, wow. I wish you had texted me that before so I could because because that stuff because I'll probably when we're done recording this I'll probably say oh add this one. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me tell you, you always talk about it. The first Which, time I think I heard you mention before the first time Tech won in the Orange Bowl, you were part of that team, right? Uh huh. Yeah, that that was special. I didn't play that much, um, but it's funny that was going to be my number one. Um, was the Orange Bowl win? This the second one we had that we won there for the first time in '96, and we came back in '98. We were three and zero. Miami was three and zero. Yeah, that's definitely number one. And it was a hurricane, ironically, the Miami Hurricanes, a hurricane on the horizon, coming up the coast, and we had to get that game in. It was a primetime game at 8 p.m. And um, the other only other primetime game, and for you '90s, early 2000s heads, you realize this was a big rivalry at the time. Tennessee with Peyton Manning. Um, was playing, and I believe Peyton Manning was gone. It was T. Martin and Florida, led by Steve Spurrier. They were the primetime other game. So Miami and Tech both ranked on, and Tennessee and Florida was on the other channel. And we beat Miami in overtime when they had, um, gosh, talent. Ray Lewis, not Ray Lewis. He was already gone. That was a a few years before. But they had uh, Damian Lewis, Adrian James. Clinton Portis was a backup. Ed Reed was a starter. Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne. We got down 13 to 3. You know, Luke was on the sideline, girls twerking in the stands, sold out. They came out in the smoke. Um, Miami's talking cash money trash. Um, they had Dan Morgan. Oh uh, my gosh, so many household names, man. And speed all on the field. 
Um, it was so humid, but it was a great win. I mean, we won in overtime. Um, Corey Moore and Engelberger, Carl Bradley, Nate Williams, Chris Cyrus, Chad Beasley, David Pugh. Um, the baby death row, because that following year, 99, they did what 95 did. They were also great. Um, but that game was great. Beat Miami and then running to their sideline saying, that's four in a row. Y'all can't beat us. And that coach was like, get out of here. Get out of here. You know, and they were hot, you know, and that was the old Orange Bowl. There was a mystique there. And Tech, you could see us. It was legit because, you know, you beat them in 95. You beat them in 96. You beat them in 97. In 97. And they said they were rebuilding. Um, and we beat them in 98. And that's four in a row. And, and you can see that Bush Davis was building something special with them. But Tech was not ready to give it up. And we were the premier program. Um, that was really special. Really, really special. Probably number one. So that would be the favorite game. I would throw in Alabama, my last game ever as a Hokie. Um, we had heartache that year, but the heartache set up the great season that was 99. But 98, we lost to Temple, who had lost 35, non, uh, 35 conference games in a row. Temple, for all you old heads listening, was the worst program every year in college football. Yep. We were ranked 14th. We were like a 20-something point favorite. We were up 17 nothing. They came back and won in Lane Stadium on homecoming, 28-24. Um Yep. That, that same year, we lost to Syracuse in the Orange Bowl. We win the game. We go to the BCS Bowl and play Florida Gators in the Orange Bowl. We led that game 21-2. to um, And we lost um, to McNabb on a last-second touchdown. That was that same year. And then we also lost to UVA, losing 29, winning 29-7. to And they came back and avenged their comeback loss to us from 95. Um, Aaron Brooks, the pass to my longtime friend, Ahmad Hawkins. So, not we're we're eight and three. We're ranked, but we should be undefeated. <laughs> it's my senior <laughs> year, and we're ranked, and we play in Alabama, and they are talking trash the entire week at all the bowl activities and festivals. This is the SEC. They had a cornerback named Fernando Bryant who was an All American, All American running back. Um, um, and John, they had who's that? John Alexander was the running back. I can remember that man. Yeah, Sean Alexander, and it was the, and they also had the All American offensive lineman, offensive tackle Chris Samuels. And I remember we were hanging out at a joint team function. He was telling Corey Moore and Engelberg he had never given up a sack, even in practice. And I was like, "Who is this dude?" Um, <laughs> and I was looking at him. You know, we smoked Alabama, gave them their worst bowl loss ever in the inaugural Music City Bowl in the middle of a Northeastern in Nashville, Tennessee, in Dolly World. We, gave, we got that dub on them, and they were sick to their stomach. And the entire night, and then, and, and then even the next day, all you heard was roll tech, because, you know, they say roll tide. And Hokie Nation was... <laughs> so that was great. And, and you know, I, I get even emotional and teary-eyed telling you guys that right now because, you know, those losses still haunt me, um, you know, as a senior, as a player, those three losses to UVA, Syracuse, and Temple. But... At least my last game, you know, was over Alabama. First time we ever beat them, and it was a legendary win. And it set up the momentum for the 99 season, which they probably should have won that year in the national championship game, but they played for one. Um, and then just to throw in good measures, you know, as far as, you know, three, I would probably say um, 
there's a lot more, but I would, right now I would probably say the Syracuse game um, that same year. I mean, not the same year, my junior year, um, because uh, the Syracuse game was great because we beat them 31 to seven. Never forget McNabb's quote after the game. It was on my birthday, so we went on my birthday. But McNabb said to the media, the press, and his post game presser, we could have won if we wanted to, and. Um, <laughs> I remember telling <laughs> I remember telling Mike, who backed up McNabb, I said, your boy ain't too bright. I used to always say that because of that quote. I never understood that quote. But that's the days where we couldn't win up there at the Dome and they couldn't win in Lane Stadium. And it's nothing better than, you know, winning, you know, your birthday than going downtown to Arnold's and Big Al's and getting drinks. And it's your birthday <laughs> if you won and you got the Virginia Tech sweatsuit on and everybody's showing you love and Winning is great, man. It is a great, great feeling. I love winning. But Tech, man, I got more great wins. You know, I would throw in other wins where I was, you know, a backup or played some, the Sugar Bowl 95. But those other three I gave you right there, especially that Miami win, uh, was great. The Clemson win in 98 was good going down to Clemson and shutting them out 37 nothing. But um, I don't really love that game. It, it was so hot in South Carolina. It was a 12 o'clock kickoff. I felt like the sun was behind us. Oh, on the bench. oh man. That was uh, the worst. It was. It was. It was oh. If that game was played today, they probably would have moved it to 3 o'clock because, you know, now we have the cold red and cold orange heat advisories. And, you know, it's a different <laughs> time. So, you know. Um, There's no such thing as red and orange heat advisories back in the 1990s. <laughs> Just hot. And we were out there looking back, man. Good Lord. I remember people were dying in 98, 96. People, uh, uh, Corey Stewart passed away for the Vikings. Rutgers lost the player. People were passing out in the heat, and Beams was like, you got to fight through it. (laughs) (laughs) That was his his response. And I was like, I just knew we were going to get practice canceled. Um, But, again, different time, different era. But, um. Yeah, you guys got me emotional now thinking about those great wins. Those were some great, great times, man. Um, and uh, that's the beauty yeah, of being, being on the team, like, a great team like that. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. I want to ask this personal question. You might only have one that comes to mind. Was there a guy that, whether you practiced against him or you played a game against him, like, when you saw his number across the ball, you just said to yourself, man, this is going to be a long day. Mm. A lot of that happened in practice. <laughs> yeah, I remember, man. You got to remember something, man. Um, I went against Jim Barron, Hank Coleman, Cornell Brown, J.C. Price, Corey Moore, John Engelberger, Carl Bradley, Myron Newsom. Listen, you, you, <laughs> that that right there. Yep. And then, and, but I will. But just to give some perspective, um, I went against um. West Virginia back in the late nineties when I played, they were built like us. And they had uh they had some studs. Um they had some great defense linemen. Their names escape me now. Sometimes my memory does this and I feel like, Am I okay? But I don't have CTE or anything. But <laughs> um it's just you're getting old. But um they had uh, Gary Stills and they had a guy named Thornton at West Virginia and they were animals. Gary Stills and Thornton. Thornton was a defensive tackle. He actually does broadcasting for the Big East Network. I don't know if they even still do that now, but um, he was an animal. In West Virginia, they were so physical like us. It was like just a four quarters of battle. Then, of course, um, you want to throw in 
Um, Chris Hoven at Boston College, he was tough. Mm-hmm. Like I said, man. Did you have to see uh, Dwight Freeney? No, thank Freeney God. Like- no, no, no. <laughs> Freeney, he thank God. Uh, my my longtime team, I mean, my longtime brother, my teammate, Anthony Lambeau, had that distinct honor of giving up the six sacks that year. <laughs> Mike went at the Orange Bowl. Dwight Freeney was an animal. Um, I will say this, the toughest D-line other than Virginia Tech, I mean, I say, because I named a few players, the toughest D-line I went against um, that rivals Virginia Tech, but even Tech still has the advantage, you know, you heard who I named, yep. but was the 97, God, yeah. the 97 UNC team in the Gator Bowl, led by Mac Brown, they beat the beep out of, I mean, they just... They shouldn't have been in that bowl game. We were banged up. We were seven and four, finished second in the Big East, five and two in conference play. But our best players were in the stands or done. Al Clark didn't finish the game. Nick Sorison got MVP of the bowl game for us, and he was an emergency quarterback for us. Uh, Al Clark was hurt. Dave Myers was hurt. Sharon Stith didn't play. Ricky Hall didn't play. And uh, Andre Davis didn't play. But they had Ebenezer Ekubon, Vonnie Holiday, uh, my Greg Ellis, and I remember I got called for holding in that game late in the game. And I remember just like just there's a picture of me. I'll post it. You know, it's, I already missed throwback, but I'll post it again. Back when I had hair, and they the I the ruined no times caught me on the bench. We we already lost the game forty two three, but it's still time. And I got my head face palm. I'm leaning over, just, you know, my lineman gloves on, rubbing my face. You know, it's 3.45 in Jacksonville, Florida, p.m., and it's overcast, and I'm just thinking about, I can't wait to get back to Blacksburg or Roanoke or whatever. And then the quote underneath me, looking like I just competed in the Hunger Game, that if we played them 60 times, we would lose all 60. So it looks like I said that mess, but it was just terrible. <laughs> but they have my picture, but he says it. Oh man. Um Carolina, <laughs> Carolina had Dre Blau on that team. Carolina should not they Carolina couldn't beat Florida State that year. And they were and I'm forgetting guys they had on that team. I mentioned Dre Blau, but they were uh yeah. we were seven and four. They were ten and one. And their only loss was to Florida yeah. State. Um that's when Florida State had Coles and uh Bobby Bowden and uh Peter Warwick. And um, Florida State went to the BCS Bowl that year. And, you know, the way the bowl alignment was back then, North Carolina went to the Gator Bowl. That's how it was. And we were overmatched. But I will say this, funny story. I'm giving you some scoop. Beamer in the locker room, I never forget, man, we just wanted to go home. We were done. We were defeated. Morale was just low because we had just gotten stomped on NBC in the Gator Bowl. And, um... Beamer came in and grabbed the stool from somebody's locker. He said, he's, I want everyone to hear me and hear me now. I'm paraphrasing. But he said, everyone has been put on notice. Everybody's position, including coaches, everybody's on notice. If you don't come back ready to play and ready to compete, you won't be here. Oh. Yeah, yeah. This is 1997. 97 after. The- so in 98, we knew, man, you know, in Gentry, I mean, you know, the offseason was tough. You know, and you know, and there was some guys, ironically, that transferred. <laughs> <laughs> see my point? You, you yep. see a theme here? So again, everyone's not built like that. There were some guys that transferred, not because they wanted more playing time, they weren't built for it. Um, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, man. 
those defenses. But you know what's funny, though, man, is when you go against Corey Moore and Cornell Brown and J.C. Price and Waverly Jackson and Jim Barron and Lawrence Lewis and Hank Coleman and Carl Bradley and Nate Williams and Chad Beasley and David Pugh, when you get in the games on Saturday or Thursday night, you're not worried, man. Um, I joked one time that um, people say, when did you know you were going to redshirt? You know, you were a high-profile player out of Hampton High. I said when I had to line up in front of Cornell Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I called my dad and my mom later on that night. I said, yeah, I'm going to take this redshirt. We're going to redshirt it this year. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and grab the I'm going to go and put this redshirt on. <laughs> That's how good Cornell was. And I was, I was only a year behind him. Yeah, Cornell, I mean, Cornell, a lot of people say he flipped the the in-state recruiting for Frank. Let me ask this, and, and I want to kind of phrase this the right way because and when we were coming up, Miami and UVA, the rivalry games, when those games were played, it was a big deal. It was. Mm-hmm. I mean, from when, when you got there in 94 to roughly probably 06, 07, those games were wars. And me and Brian have been talking, like, do you feel that whether Miami or UVA or maybe a semblance of both, like, if those rivalry games get back to where they were 20 years ago, where, team, like, you mentioned the Miami game when it's a night game, both teams are in the top 10, or the Commonwealth Cup game when, you know, like 95 when that happened, when, you know, both teams have 10 wins, and both teams are trying to get to the Sugar Bowl, and both teams ranked in the top 15, what do you think is more important that helps elevate Peck's program? Is it both, or do you have a uh, preference? Well, let me just add this real quick. Um, you, you you forgot to mention West Virginia, because West Virginia yeah. was also elevating that, and you can make an argument. That was nasty. You can make the argument that West Virginia-Virginia Tech rivalry during the 90s and the early 2000s before Tech jumped to the ACC in 04 were probably better games and more important than the Virginia Tech-UVA rivalry. Um, but during my era, to your point, <clears throat> the UVA-Virginia Tech rivalry was epic. And the Miami rivalry with Tech for years was epic. It was, it was bloodshed. It was, you know, Braveheart near the end of the movie. Um, it was real. Um, in order, it's my preference. I would like. Oh, this is gonna make some people mad. Um, I like it when Tech and UVA are both good, cause I I grew up in that, and it's good for the it's yeah. great for the Commonwealth. People look at me funny on Twitter sure. when I celebrate UVA. Not that they are celebrating wins, but I'm like, hey, that's a good win. That's good for us. I mean, it's it, it's just better. Um, I you know. Jonathan McLaughlin was like, hey, everybody, post your Commonwealth, you know, drinking out the cup. And I said, oh, I lost my last two years to UVA, and he couldn't even fathom that. And I said, hey, man, they were really good. Y'all beat some UVA teams that couldn't beat Centerville High School on the road, okay? <laughs> so, you know, calm down with joking me, you know, because <laughs> my UVA battles, we were going against, you know, Dingo and Patrick Kearney and Wally Rayner and the Farrier brothers and, you know, some studs, Aaron Brooks, you know, UVA was ranked 15th. We ranked 18th or vice versa. It wasn't what you see now. Um, so if you have both programs, Beamer said it best and George Wells co-signed it. 
is enough talent in the state for both teams to get it and win, but both teams are not getting it, especially, to be fair, UVA. You know, UVA is the one that's fallen short the last 16, 17 years, not Tech. Um, and Grove, mm-hmm. and I know Tech fans are going to smirk when I say this, I think Grove got too out-of-state happy during his day. He got coach of the year, and he just kept going up to New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania because he was a New York Jet coach. He didn't really look highly upon Virginia talent. Mm-hmm. And I think that came back to bite him because Tech was full of Commonwealth guys. Yep. So I think you got to get guys in state. I think Miami and Tech will always have that rivalry because of what we did during my era. And it's funny, too, because Miami has a lot of coaching carousel within their program, and nobody lives off mystique and manufacture hype and history lessons more than the Hurricanes of Miami. Um, Between Michael Irvin and Warren Sapp, we get more history lessons about the U, but less productivity on the field. So it doesn't match up. It's more so let me look at this 30 for 30 so I can get what you're talking about because you guys are the king of underachieving. Um, you know, so the reality is, is that Miami is constantly going to be a rivalry with Tech because they're two Big East foes and they gave you great. I mean, if you if you still have the ESPN Classic channel to this day, I get, hey, you're on or even ESPN. You they always show tons of Tech UV. I mean, Miami rivalry games from the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Okay. Um, AC Network was showing those '90s games back, like in the summer last year. Yeah, and obviously there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the UVA one, you need UVA to get better or like to push Tech. But at the same time, it's a fine line. You don't want them to become better because then it can hurt you. So it's kind of like how UVA helped us get into the ACC. You know, you kind of want both programs there so i'm a i'm a virginian you know I, I i love the richmond area i love southwest virginia i love northern virginia and i love obviously my home 757 and i like you know i mean look you guys follow we follow each other on twitter at the end of the day look how great the uva virginia tech basketball rivalry is right now and how how it's been the last five years with buzz and, and Bennett, and now Young and Bennett, who love and respect each other, and look what they're doing for both programs. And and it's great basketball. And damn right, it looks good seeing UVA and Tech at top of the ACC. I yeah. like that. I want what Carolina and Duke have. I'm tired of it. I why why can't we have that for the Coastal? You know, I mean, why why you can't be afraid of competition? You know, I mean, it's cool to brag about the streak and look at the little memes and Mike London crying with the Jordan face and I oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> but you really, you really, are you really bragging? You know, when you have a midfield altercation between two, five and six teams and Michael Brewer has a lead to come back to Bucky Hodges. I was in the stadium. It was a great win, but then I left after the, you know, the smoke clears and you're happy you beat your rival for the whatever 10 time. You're six and six. Yep. And you're five and seven. So what are you really happy about? It's embarrassing. It's not something you should brag about because everyone outside of Virginia doesn't give a damn. You know? And that's what people need to remind themselves of. You want to be part of something bigger than just the conference game. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 and I'm not, I don't have Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Auburn fatigue. 
I just I have I have fatigue when it comes to being irrelevant. Like, you know, when you wake up after a great win on Sunday morning and you're eating your breakfast and you you getting your fantasy lineups ready, and you're like, okay, okay, let me turn and see these highlights, what they're gonna say about this tech UVA game on college, you know, game night. They just show the score. Yeah, yeah nobody nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares. They played the game, here's the final score. Yeah, they were like, oh, and, and another news, uh, Virginia Tech holds on and beat UVA. They'll go to the bowl game that comes on Comcast on December 19th at 5. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what happens. You know, I don't, and I'm not mocking my program. I just think sometimes we need a reality check of what we once have and what we need to get back to and, and, and beyond. And, um, you know, to answer your question again, I just think if it's my choice, it's Virginia Tech, UVA, although um, – Say what you want, but when you consistently beat Miami like we've done and we've done it before, the brand of Miami is still relevant. When you beat Miami, it still turns heads. Yep. You know, like we did last, uh, was it last year? Oh, yeah, when we, after that Duke debacle and Hendon came on my Miami game and they beat him, you know, or that year. When Ja'Cory Harris and Kirk Herbstreit declared the U is back, and Tyrod and Jared Boykins beat him thirty-one to seven, you know, in the rain game. Smackdown in the rain and lane. Mm-hmm. I remember that game fondly. But to your yeah. point, and Bob's got a question, but I'm gonna make it to your point though. The Miami game, we had just gotten curb stomped by Duke. That was still the three thirty ABC game that year. We were mm-hmm. we were two and two. Just lost by 40 to a bad Duke team. But that game was mm-hmm. a national game. And I think you're right. And I'm with you. You want UVA Tech to be good. Brian, I think you agree, right? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think when UVA is good, we, the programs push each other. Um, yes. I, think that, I think that's what kind of came out when when you were building the program at Virginia Tech in the 90s. And I feel like that is kind of what helped propel Virginia Tech to what it became and what it was throughout the 2000s. And I feel like UVA being down and then some of the other things that have changed on the national recruiting front, you know, we just, we're not where we were. And I feel like getting some of that back, getting some of that competing for the same, you know, top 10 players in the state every year, getting that back would be good. You know what I sold Mike Vick on coming to Tech? I said, imagine if you go to Tech and Ronald Corey goes to UVA and the rivalry you guys had in high school continues. Oh, and he loved, loved, he loved that notion. <laughs> of course, we all know Ronald went to UNC because of their basketball and football program. Yep. Later, Mike yep. Mack Brown and Dean Smith left. But you know what? Also, to your point, UVA ultimately, indirectly, because of their inconsistency with Grove in London and the streak and. Them started losing to Duke, you know, when Duke was still inferior before, you know, they really got, you know, pretty good program. It resulted in Virginia Tech becoming complacent. Because you your in-state robbery is almost a guaranteed win. And you're still losing recruits, but you're losing to Ohio State. And you, but you're getting pretty much, you're still getting David Wilson, Logan Thomas, and Tyrod Taylor. So you're okay. And then, you know, it didn't really push you. It didn't – it because, again, Beamer had to get guys like myself and Ken Oxendon and Tony Morris and, and, and all those guys to come in because UVA had George Welsh. And it wasn't like UVA was winning 11 games. They only had one 10-win season in the history of their program. But at the end of the day, 
they were winning in the ACC and they held it over GNTX head because the Big East was always looked upon as a very good conference, but it wasn't an ACC with their tradition and their pageantry. So they had to leg up. So Virginia Tech had to wait twice as hard to become relevant and be respected. So I stand by what I say. It goes hand in hand, man. You gotta, you gotta push each other. It's the, you know, we need you to be great. Like, you know, you know, Skywalker and Vader. You gotta have you gotta have that enemy. You gotta have the Yankees and Red Sox. You gotta have Duke a foil that matters. Yeah, you got to. You gotta have that, you know. Yeah, you know. So we're gonna close out with one last question. This is gonna kind of be a fun one. Um so everybody was hype on the Twitter timeline. I'm sure you saw it. Uh the NCAA football game coming back probably in the next couple of years. What is something that what hasn't been in that game if you if you played it recently that they need to put back in that game they need to put it in the game now, whether it's like changes to recruiting or the transfer portal or whatever it may be? I think they have like what 2K has that my career. I don't know if they have it, but <laughs> like, you know, if you play 2K, you know, you go to practice, you sign a contract, you got a girl, you got shoes. It gives it some personality. You know, you can always create a player, but like the recruitment and different things like that. Or, or, and, or if I couldn't have that, I would actually, and this gets kind of, kind of, you know, funky because, you know, it it gets into amateurism. But like, I would have like, you know, legendary high school programs like my high school in there, maybe Oscar Smith, like, or like high schools, you know, where, you know, you had a, you know, high school uh, teams Mm -hmm. that you could have in it um, where you play and then you recruit off that. Um, Or, you know, the legendary teams, the classics. I know one thing. I used to love that game. Gosh, I probably almost failed out one semester messing around with that game. But (laughs) um, (laughs) I love that game because – I remember when I got older and I was in my 20s, I was living up here in Northern Virginia, man, and they had the uh, classic teams, the 98 Tech team or 99 team, and I like that as well. So I hope they keep that. But I know I didn't really give you a concrete answer because I'm actually thinking as I answer it because I'm sure after we we wrap up, I'm probably going to tweet something. Oh, they should add this. Um, (laughs) You know, but it's it's great that it's back. Um, That game... I mean, I've seen guys almost fight over that game, and you know, just we used to. I, you know, I love that game more than I love Madden. Um, and yeah, I used both to love of us Madden did too. Yeah, I yeah. played especially like when I was younger. Obviously, it hadn't been around the last what, like seven or eight years. But um, like, I always played a whole lot more NCAA than I played Madden. I played Madden if I wanted to play like with a friend. But if I was just you know picking it up for myself, I always picked up NCAA. We used to live in Collegiate Suites, man, and uh, Shane Beamer gets pissed when I tell that story, but I used to bust his ass, and I used to go upstairs. He lived above me, him, Chris Cyrus, uh, Ken Handy, and Tim Snecker, uh, and I lived on the bottom apartment, comp- same complex, bottom first floor, and I love Shane. He's my brother, and I'm so happy for him. Um, I really am. Um, Derek Smith was my roommate. Um, Damon Watlington, who was a basketball player, was also one of my roommates. We had the four bedroom, and I used to go upstairs. And uh, me and Shane used to have some battles. And Shane is very competitive, like me. And one time, he threw the controller, and he was like, "Get out!" <laughs> 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 NCAA football starts fights. 
Yeah, man. You know, I just, you know, that's when I back when I had a friend called Free Time, but I ain't seen Free Time in years, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was uh, great times, man. But I, I don't really have a concrete answer for you, man, because that game is just wonderful. I mean, you could, there's probably going to be some surprises and some evolution within the game because it was so popular and there's so much has changed since it went away. So it probably oh, yeah. had the transfer portal in it and all that. I don't know. Um, funny I brought that up. But, yeah, it'll be cool to see what surprises they have. Um, I do like the classic teams. If anything, I, if, if I could pick one, maybe just to kind of full circle, I would probably reintroduce those classic teams because that's the nostalgia about college football. Everything gets better as the years go by. So, like, we remember – the USA team, US, USC teams, Reggie Bush, you know, their folklore and abilities become better. Or the 99 Tech team, you know, now all of a sudden Michael Vick, you know, he actually, he threw a touchdown pass with his arm tied behind his back in the end zone. You know, it's just <laughs> the rumors and the, 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 the exaggeration gets bigger and they become more iconic. And I think that's why that game was so popular and you had the fans and the music, um, and it's funny, too, because we would be like, yo, I'm using this team. I'm using Tennessee. Watch. I'm about, you know, I'm running the option with T-Mar. I mean, it was crazy. Because that was my team. It was Tennessee. It was so weird. I don't even know why I picked them. Um, I never played with Tech that much, man. And we used to get mad. It's funny you bring this up. Now you got me going. I got to shut up. But we used to get <laughs> mad because the first thing you do, like the NFL guys, you would go in there and say, what they got me rated? I would be like, yo, let me see what, let me see what they got me rated. And that was like, a 79, this is bull, you know? <laughs> you, know um, you know, we would just go crazy, um, just what we were rated. You know, like, who they watching? Who had us? You know, but um, it was really cool because I'm old enough to tell you about Sega when it used to be done. It wasn't even, you couldn't even use a team. They just called, like, they had Sega when the NC2A first came out. They had, um, they had the name, they only had a select amount of teams. And yeah. it was uh, Tallahassee. It was it was the name of the city, the college town they were in. <laughs> and Virginia that. Tech wasn't on it. This was the early 90s. We were like, okay, we got to win. And then they came out and they added more and more teams. And uh, I remember seeing that Virginia Tech on that screen. It was so cool um, being part of that, you know. But it's really cool, man, the nostalgic. But uh, I had a lot of fun tonight, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on. This has been great. Dwight, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. And we hope to have you back in the near future to talk more because I feel like between just what we've talked about here tonight, we have barely scratched the surface of content to talk with you about. Um, again, we thank you for taking your time this evening because we, we're going on two hours. It doesn't feel like two hours at all. I feel like we could go another two without blinking. So uh, we thank you yeah. for coming with us tonight, man. Yeah, man, thank you. And shout out to your listeners and your your, your supporters of your podcast. And I appreciate the platform, man. Um, I hope people get some ideas. And, like, I apologize, man, but I, you guys both have been great for me. I love talking. And, and, and it's, I just like great conversation. I don't want to get to the point where I, I, I'm no better than you two. I'm a humble person. We're all in this together, trying to live life the best we can and enjoy our favorite program. And I like talking to fans on Twitter because I learn something every day. And it's good to remember, reminisce and reflect on my career, but also hopefully one day 
when I get back on. Sooner than later, we can talk about a big win over West Virginia or a comeback win over whoever. But I'm looking forward to getting back on your show one day. I'll support it any way I can. And again, thank you both. Really appreciate you, Dwight. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been fun, and I can't wait to have you back. Yes, sir. And that's going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Hokies.